Welcome back. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think that they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you can get them and keep them. Snackwalls is powered by San Diego Code School, a social enterprise committed to developing tech equity through our groundbreaking apprenticeship program backed by a profitable tech services company. Our business model is to bring diversity into development by putting early career developers on appropriate level projects with our oversight, providing companies with quality software services at a significant cost savings. I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today in a few sentences. Tell us who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, thanks, Mike. It's great to be on here with you. I'm Tom Logan, co-founder and CEO of Coley. We are a New York-based tech startup that's focused on helping brands generate content at scale uh, through our marketplace. So through creators, individual photographers, videographers, uh, with the goal of helping them improve their performance across digital. I like it. I have worked on uh, the ad tech and two-sided marketplaces before. Those are fun as an engineer. Lots of creatives, lots of stuff happening fast, right? So I like that. Um, yeah, I'm hearing from a lot of tech leaders uh, and just leaders in general that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? Yeah, finding diverse talent is a challenge. In, in tech, um, I think you do need to be intentional with your initial recruiting efforts and the way that you think about recruiting diverse talent. Our initial thought, um, and when I say our, I'm talking about my, my co-founder Eric and I, our initial thought was that if we emphasize diverse hiring up front, that that would then feed into a diverse workforce, um, mostly through referrals and, and other sort of similar mechanisms like that. Um, that hasn't proven to be enough, uh, right. nearly enough. Um, so yeah, I mean, we need to be a, a lot more intentional and, and have started to, to put some initial programs in place. Yeah. I appreciate the vulnerability. I like that. Just just the raw, unvarnished, like, hey, like sometimes it's tough and you got to keep working at it. That premise that we could emphasize it up front um, and that it would be enough was was incorrect. And, you know, it's not it, diversity and, and inclusion within within Coley isn't just important from a human standpoint, which it certainly is. It's also very important from a business standpoint. Like I always reference this McKinsey study that, you know, the most diverse companies uh, outperformed the least diverse companies just as far as like top quartile versus bottom quartile, you know, by an average of 36% just in terms of their profit margin and um, what they pull in. So um, there is a real business impact and importance as well as a, as a human responsibility. You hear that, folks? You make more money. <laughs> that's, exactly. my, that's what I heard. <laughs> yes, so. exactly. Now, I'm, I'm hearing about a little bit of a push or some movement to remove the requirement for CS degrees for many software engineering roles. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, we've talked about removing the responsibility or the actual requirement of having a college degree at all. Um, the issue there is just the sheer volume of, uh, of candidates that you have to sift through and we have limited require, um, recruiting bandwidth. Also, you know, on the flip side, we have moved to a uh, blind hiring process in, in the sense that the first two interviews are not over Zoom. They're just based on resume, not based on, on anything face-to-face. Uh, -face. Um, so, you know, we're emphasizing it from, from that perspective. On the CS side, yeah, I know you'd mentioned uh, when we were talking before we we uh, we hopped on here about apprenticeships and things like that. Um, you know, one thing that we've done 
uh, and we'll emphasize here in the in the coming uh, quarters is to have you know, at least one of our interns be from a historical historically black college or university, um, right. just to expose tech a little bit more. And and just from my own experience, I didn't even know what the heck a, a tech startup was when I went, when when I was in college. Right, like this came to me way too late. So in general, I think tech needs to be taught and exposed to more college students. Um, and same goes for historically black colleges and universities. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are fertile places for great, um, great engineers. So no. that said, you mentioned apprenticeship. Do you think an apprenticeship pattern would work for tech roles? That's an interesting one. So are you, are you asking specifically about um, CS roles? Yeah, I mean, I think I don't limit like engineering to like you've got to be like the job title has to be software engineer or software developer or QA. Right. I think there's lots of ways you can make an impact on a technical team and not necessarily be super technical. Um, but yeah. just in general, like I'm, I'm kind of trying to gauge out in the marketplace do businesses think beyond internship, right? It's kind of like the like the, would it work if we start start you know making a much more um, planned and intentional approach to like hiring them and thinking, Hey, this is going to result in us trying to get this person onto our team. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that also helps with familiarity with the code base. And there's oftentimes, uh, if, if an individual has great communication skills as well, there's a lot of opportunity to, um, do a hybrid type of role where they're, where they're starting to get more comfortable with the actual coding languages that they're using. Um, but also help with communicating, uh, being that liaison between the CS team and the sales team or the account managers, for example. And we know that those two, uh, those two teams tend to speak very different languages, literally. Um, so, yeah, I, I absolutely think that's, uh, that's something that could be valuable. I mean, my brother, for example, he's a, an Android engineer at Lyft. He was a history major in college and now he's an Android engineer at Lyft. So um, clearly someone needed to take the time to invest in him and, and help him uh, recognize his initiative, his drive and his passion for it and, and give him a shot. And my guess is he's making better use out of that degree than he might've initially thought. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. seems like the job market's, you know, t tending to trend a little bit more towards uh, the tech tech roles. So <laughs> that's the greatest job security there is to be a, a high performing engineer. That's yeah, for sure. So, what advice would you share with a company that's looking to retain diverse staff? So you said you've had some challenges with, with bringing them on, but when you have them in, like, what are some of your tricks to kind of make sure you keep those folks in-house? It's a great question. And I think what you're touching on there is, is um, the inclusivity portion and the inclusion portion of, of, that, uh, of that equation, which is oftentimes forgotten, right? It's like, it's great to have diversity. It's great to hire diversity. But if you're not thinking about the inclusivity piece, then you're missing a key component of the equation. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm frankly not an expert on that. I'll show some more vulnerability on that. I, I prefer to, to learn from people like you who, who do put more thought into it. Um, but I think awareness of the fact that the inclusivity point is not just a continuate, or it's, it's not a, it's not just a second part or an additional descriptor of, of the hiring process. It is in itself its own entity and needs to be thought about um, specifically, right? It's not just an afterthought. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the takeaway, I think there is that you should 
create the same sort of metrics and the same sort of goals and surround like that part of the business with like, this is where we want to get better. And this is what we're trying to do. Let's see if we can hit these targets. Right. At the very least we want to be, yeah, we want to reflect the, uh, the population of the black community in the U S that to me, that's a, that's a minimum barrier. Again, it comes back to, to business performance, difference of perspectives, right? It's the, the risk of being a homogenous, culture and a homogenous organism that all thinks the exact same way. I mean, we're never going to have anyone bring up anything that's different. Right. And then my co-founder Eric and I are, are basically now we have the onus to, to set up everything right at first. Um, and maybe we don't have the perspectives that are important. Right. And we're a very culture first organization. Um, we need to live up to that. And I think so many good things can just flow from a great culture. So, this is uh, this is why I'm also so happy to be connected with you, Mike. Is that um, you know, I get to learn from you and learn from this awesome podcast initiative that you're doing. Okay, let's let's stop. You get no extra points, no extra jelly on the biscuit for like you know hyping up the host. <laughs> so I like I do do like the fact that you're talking about um, just having that diversity means the diversity of thought and ideas. And the example right. that I use for a lot of folks is like is like the Travis Scott um, Fortnite thing. And it's just like, yeah. you gotta think that because you're not thinking about the same stuff all the time and you have a diversity of people listening to different types of music and different types of things, suddenly they realize they are making bazillions of dollars and it's the perfect time for an experience like that. But like, I just think, well, if you had a little bit more diversity, that might've happened a year earlier and you would have made a year more of like amazing profits because you just tried something different and you like were listening to people that had a brilliant idea. I'd love to hear more examples of, of that. Um, it, it, it just having the benefit of having diversity of different perspectives actually leading to business impact. I think that's stories like that make it so much more real. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to always tell the full story. So who is someone like yourself that you'd like to acknowledge at this point as maybe a leader and they might make a good guest on a podcast like this? Anybody you can think of? Yeah. Um, let me think about that. Um, there's a, a number of, uh, of entrepreneurs that have been incredibly helpful for me here in, in, uh, in New York. Um, Jeremy Levy comes to mind. Todd Saunders comes to mind. Um, but yeah. I, I think that uh, I think that that I could certainly whip up some some additional um, you know, willingness and enthusiasm to to jump on the podcast with you. Awesome, and those two are now on the radar, so I'm out there looking for you folks. Um, where can we find out more information about your company? And this is a good time to do any kind of shameless plugs and promotions that you got going on. So yeah, sure. Um, Coley.com. That's C-O-H-L-E-Y. Um, Coley is a type of fish. Our, our incorporated name is Goldfish Social Inc. We have a great fish tank here in the office. Um, speaking of meaningless cultural things and puppies in the office. <laughs> uh, but yeah, C-O-H-L-E-Y. Obviously, it's misspelled or a tech startup. But yeah, check us out. And, and you can connect with me at Tom at Coley.com. Awesome. Love it. So last and most important question of the podcast. What have you been snacking on lately? What's your favorite snack? Well, we have uh, a few of us in the office here. About 5% of the company is, is coming in here in New York. Uh, one of my colleagues who's coming in every day just started the, uh, the keto diet. 
So I've been, I've been trying to mess with him and, and troll him in as many ways that I can. So uh, Rice Krispies treats, some, some Mott's fruit snacks. Uh, I've traditionally tried to, to eat pretty healthy, but now I have an added incentive to, to mess with him. Some mocked, yeah, and, and make fun of. I like that. Yeah, That's exactly. a good angle. Like, what has the <laughs> most sugar on the outside, inside, just exactly sugar right. all around? <laughs> so my body is running purely on glucose over here. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So we got a couple of minutes left. Uh, we could either end early. Uh, you could share maybe something else you're working on. You could ask me a question. What would you like to do? Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I, I think is really that, that you'll find interesting and your audience will also find interesting is um, the subject of pay inequity in the uh, creator world and in the influencer world specifically. Okay. So one thing that we, um, we can't take credit for, for doing this out of, um, out of the interest of, of overall equality. We, we just kind of stumbled into this from a convenience standpoint, but uh, we were made, made aware um, over the last few months that, that a number of our competitors uh, who have negotiated rates, like basically the onus is on the brand and the influencer to negotiate their like fair trade rates for oftentimes an Instagram post or the creation of content. Um, one of the uh, people of color on, um, on a competitive platform did this huge analysis of uh, pay inequities and just measuring what, you know, on this, in terms of baseline metrics, hey, this is, this is how many followers I have. So it's using objective data as a baseline, right? Sure. You mentioned, I think that's so important. Yeah, so it's um, real data. Like, real, put real the actual data. It's, it's not right. fake news. This is real no, data. It's sure not, right. So what they found is that uh, black creators specifically were, were only receiving 84 cents on the dollar um, as compared to white creators for the same exact output, right? Which is insane. So insane, right? And, and, and so unfortunate on every possible level, to, to put it lightly. So what we've done, and again, we stumbled into this, I can't take credit for it, but yeah, to, to mitigate any risk of that, we've just had flat compensation levels that are purely objective based on data. So it's either, hey, this project pays $250, here, is the, here are the expectations, here's what we need from you. And um, if it's more so based on their following or their clout with their specific audiences, then we'll do tiers based on how many followers they have, but it's not up to any sort of specific negotiation or offer from the brand. Um, so that's, that's relevant in, in of course, in, um, in gender pay and, and the inequities involved with yep. that as, as well, right? It's, it's not just black creators. That's, that's something that, that uh, is impactful across the board. So we stumbled into that. I'm not going to sit here and, and um, sing our own praises, but I do think that's important to think about. And, and I wish we'd, we'd gone into that um, pricing model with that in mind early on. Uh, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you props though, because recognizing it. So if you can, if you can name it, then you can tame it. So recognizing okay. it and then addressing the issue is super big in my book. So um, I was, I've been familiar with like the gender pay gap, but I was not as familiar with like the creative. So this is like super big news. And I think, maybe yeah. breaking news for people listening to this podcast that it is also something that you're addressing, right? There's a way that you can see it and then say, well, you know, let's, let's try and do something. Let's try and work through like, how can we just kind of. Well, that was probably one of my biggest realizations through my own, um, my own mind um, through, you know, all of this uh, 
starting with George Floyd, basically, uh, it's just like trying to recognize my own subconscious bias or how subconscious bias can sneak into the minds of people who do things like set creator rates for their companies, right? Something, something seemingly so innocuous um, could take such could take on such a malicious angle just because of the lack of awareness or, or right. lack of understanding that 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 could be a, a real factor. So, um, yeah, important to, to recognize. Like you said, if you can name it, you can tame it. Spot on. Good stuff. All right. Well, thanks again, Tom. I appreciate you coming on the program. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snackwalls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 